Hello. Hi, John. <clears throat> Hi, Merlin. How are hey, you? what's going on? Hey, you know, not much. Just, you know, the usual listening to the beeping outside as I listen to Queen, as you mm-hmm. do. <laughs> yeah. That's, this is your new thing. Uh, I've decided I love it. <laughs> Two great tastes that go great together. Bing bong, Jazzles never my speed, and I don't like Star Wars. Beep, beep, beep. How can they back up that much? Uh, Are they having a race? I feel like they're going around the kitchen cock doodle doodle do. But backwards. But it's fine because I've decided I love it. How are you doing? Are you ripped? Oh, dude, so pumped. You told me this morning, I shouldn't say this, but but you were eating muesli. I was eating muesli. That's so European, John. Do you remember? Do you remember Hmm. when there was a. Do you remember laughter? Why doesn't anybody remember laughter? Does anybody remember laughter? I remember when Europe seemed really sophisticated. Oh, God, yes. It was so far away, John. I know. And the NPR moms in my world were all eating yogurt, and then they were putting granola and muesli in it and stuff, and it seemed really, like, European and sophisticated. Yeah, like putting a lemon in your water. Yeah, and I I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted nothing to do with it. This is when Bob's mom lived in a bookcase? Exactly. Yeah. Bob's mom lived in a bookcase. She was eating muesli right and Mm -hmm. left. And it seemed like, you know, and my mom didn't mess around with muesli. Mm. You know, hmm. she was an oatmeal girl all the way all the way back. Sure. Not not even so, steel cut. They were probably, I don't know, like a cut with a cotton gin or something. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> real they, real they, rustic. They're, they're cut how they how you find them. They're yeah, cut exactly. by, the, by the rats this that is, live under the corn This crib. is an Ohio farm. <laughs> we don't have time to cut oat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but then I got, you know, I grew up, I got sophisticated. Pretty soon I'm eating... I mean, yeah, granola, muesli, and my yogurt. Yeah. You know, it's a continental breakfast is what we, it John, is. John, we grew up at a time where uh, there was a surfeit of a very attractive ads uh, for things like sugary breakfast cereals. You get your Pop-Tarts, part of a balanced breakfast, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and my mom had to fight that, like all moms, I think. Like, I really wanted the store brand expensive, like fancy Lucky Charms instead of the one that came in a sack from the low shelf. Remember those? Of course. Now that makes you feel poor, like your mom grabbing stuff off the low shelf. Of course, the government, the the, the government lucky charms. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, yes, no, actually, and I don't mean to take you off of this, but yes, precisely yes. so. And then no. you get these introductions, and I'm not going to be that particular guy. I'm not going to go off on kale. I'm not going to go off on you know other kinds of things. But Thank but you. there was a time. You know what it was for me, my friend Sam, whose parents, you know, had some dough. Uh, they had a, the first coffee grinder I ever saw in a house. Oh yeah, oh, remember yeah. remember you used to, time was you, you know you, they'd have that one that everybody had. I forget who makes it, but you know that one, the brown mm-hmm. one with the lid, yeah, the little brown one with the yeah, lid. And yeah, you put your beans in there and you grind that into coffee. And I thought that was a one of the fanciest things I'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Because what you're kidding me? You get a jar of folders. I'm, we were like acolytes of uh, you know uh, detective bookman. Like you, you get a you get a jar of sanka, you leave it in the uh, cabinet. You, you scoop with the scoop. It used to be time was Folgers, big red can, big, big, big red can, the kind you put your friend's ashes in. It came mm-hmm. with a scoop, and you use that like a gentleman. But, I'm wondering yeah. now. You, you're going to have a you're going to have an answer for this better mm. than uh, better than I would. But what is fancy today? Like what is fancy? Is there? I think the heart of fancy is. I don't want to say exclusion per se, but I think the heart of fancy is the same root as the turns out article you know by malcolm Mm. gladwell or whatever Mm -hmm. it's like oh 
are you still buying red Folgers cans? <laughs> oh, yeah, I think we have some of that at our boathouse. Yeah, we grind our own beans. And mm. but you know what I'm saying? I think fancy always begins as, oh, there's this new thing that somebody who I regard as fancy is using. But what would it do? You, first of all, how's the definition fly for you? Well, I like it. I'm, I'm definitely aware of what a uh, 50 year old in the, a 50 year old former indie rockers think is fancy. Right, right, but, right. But like, like I, I was watching another one of those videos this morning where some 16 year old kid uh, is on, sitting in his studio with his headphones on and he picks up the bass and he plays some bass line that would, that would put him in the first rank of mm -hmm. all funk bass players of all time. He loops it, puts his bass down, grabs a guitar, plays some thick arpeggio over the top of it, and then he puts it down and scoots his chair over three inches and starts hammering on the piano. Ugh. And it's like, right, this this person is 16 years old. Dig Digital native, grew up with those tools. Yeah, and they're, they're a better musician than uh, than ever existed before. There was yeah. no, you know... There, yeah. And you, can, and you can point at, you know, you can point at Charlie Parker or something and go like, well... But it's like, yeah, he probably. Yeah, but he he hit clams. He yeah. was in. He and Dizzy were, and all the Max Roach, all those guys were. Bebop were innovators, and of course, at the time, that seemed fancy to people. I think. I think one performance characteristic of fancy, and this is not germane to your point, but in general, a performance characteristic or a trailing indicator of. Hmm, really going backwards out there. Uh, well, performance characteristic of that, that seems like too much given what it is. What's wrong with Red Folgers coffee? It's what my mom and dad would drink, and now I get it. I don't think that's germane to what you're saying. But, well, but yeah. You know, because I, I, I have the problem of a lot of us, I think, which is that I look at that and I want to find a problem with it. I want to say... Oh well, they're not. It's just copying. It's, it's definitely not an impulse. It's an impulse you got to watch. It's not, you know, it's not creative. It's not pure. Then, it's not rock and roll. It's yeah, yeah, it's not rock and roll, or it's not, you know, they're just rehatching. But the thing is, you look at it and just objectively, like, no, that's uh, that is an improvement in what human beings are capable of. It's a whole new. It's opened up a whole new world. It is not. There's no way to shit on it. You can't, the first, the you first can't person saw running water was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" It's that's going to go through metal to get into my house. Why don't I just go to the well like a person? <laughs> don't you? I mean, honestly, though, yeah. this is. I mean, and this this goes for everything. This goes for kids and phones. This goes for like. There's just so many things where we're like, "Well, what's wrong with the way that I did it?" Well, I the, I, uh, I I didn't learn about multi-track recording until three years ago. Before that, I did everything like uh, with John Hammond style one take out in the Delta shit. But I wonder what it what it how how it affects because because I do believe that you can have these giant leaps. It's uh, the evidence is right there. Mm -hmm. It's it, and I think we've seen it across. I think about this all the time in, in terms of that question that I asked my mom and dad, like, what has changed more in your life? The first 50 years when we went from biplanes to being on the moon or the, not the first 30 years yeah, yeah. or the second 30 years where we didn't do anything, but, but there, was, there was a time iPad. in America where like, if, when you look back at the early part of the 20th century, you might look, one might look, one who has a sort of slightly ahistorical perspective might look at that and go, oh, great. Like they figured out how to like not die of typhus or whatever. But there was a, so much, there's a reason like I think that Mr. Show does the Ventru uh, or the um, rather the um, money machine counterfeit money machine. They had to invent new things on stage and ding and hit the bell because there was a time in America where there was just so much innovation happening so fast where there are these spurts that I think you get 
what we now think of as sort of like future shock of like so much is happening so quickly that it feels so disruptive. We're like, you know, your aunt might say, no, I'm not going to have electric in, my, electric in my house because it comes out of the sockets and, you know, will we'll give me pleurisy or whatever. But you see it in these different ways, like the, 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 the distance from mm-hmm. yeah, no yeah, yeah. electricity to walking on the moon. The, Did the, it just start uh, seeming like subtle upgrades after Well, that? the availability heuristic makes you think that the next time there's going to be a giant leap forward, it's going to take the same form. There's going to be a technology leap. And we've been living Consequently, in the jet our lives joke. Yeah. thinking about this technology leap. But what, I, what I've noticed definitely is that people now at the age of 17 years old can do stuff on skateboards and snowboards and skis and bicycles and motorcycles in things that would have been absolutely. And, and, you know, and I was there for the, for the invention of X game stream sports culture, right? My sister was like when that guy nailed the 720, people are still talking about it. And you couldn't, you could never have dreamt of the physicality that, that, the, the the advances in physicality, right? The advances in like sport ability. It, it took 1,950 American years to break a four minute mile. And then I don't I don't know the exa- how this exactly works, but, but people are breaking records all the time now. Is that just because of more people? What's the heuristic that helps us understand why so many things that used to be used to seem physically impossible for the human body, let alone with technology? But and the mu- the music stuff feels like it fits into that, right? The guitar, like f- super shreddy guitar stuff, and ability to play fifty instruments, and and yeah. I mean, I, w- I remember I was <clears throat> I was sitting at Venice Venice Beach one day. Watching the kids in the in the uh, doing skateboard tricks in the little skate park there, and there was a dad. I think I probably told you about it at the time. There was a dad about my age who was total gate, you know, like uh, like used, bo- used to skate in swimming pools or something. You know, Bones Brigade <laughs> mm-hmm. all the way. You know, hat with the flat brim, and you could just see that he, yeah, he'd been there with Tony Hawk or whatever, or Powell and Peralta, and he had a kid that was in the in the pool doing skate tricks who was probably eight years old and the kid was like an incredible skater but the dad was stand was kind of s- sitting on the side of the of the skate bowl and he had a an infant son the kid was maybe a year maybe nine months old you know like uh, he was he was the kid was aware and he was mm-hmm. conscious of what was going on maybe it was a year and a half i don't know i mean he could kind of I guess he, he, could he was stand. he was push he was pushing toddler, and he this dad had him on a skateboard, <laughs> and he was just <laughs> I couldn't walk until I was nine. <laughs> well, that's the thing, and the dad had him on the board oh, in a gosh. way that the dad was holding the board and the boy, and he was just doing skate tricks with the kid, and kind of half, half you know with one eye on his other son. And just sort of, you know, running the kid up, flip, kick, turn, back down, and he's holding the he's holding him, and the kid's just laughing and like la da 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 da. But the dad's got his feet on the board in the right stance, and he's putting weight, you know, on his body in a way that where the kid feels the he feels the momentum of it, you know, he feels the physics of it, 
and, the, and, and realizing that thing that in a different way I had to learn with the segue, which is that in a lot of things in life, balance comes from movement, not stillness. Yes, right, right. Like Ooh, you lean that's forward. Pretty, that's pretty good. That's beautiful. <laughs> I write that down. That. All right. You, you know, you lean forward, not back, right? Mm-hmm. All these things. Put your weight forward. And and the dad just understood that or 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 is acting on the belief that you just you just put this in the child's uh physicality and it, it, so that it becomes innate and he, he's never there's never going to be a day there's never going to be a day when he when this little boy steps on a skateboard and doesn't understand and just how it worked instinctively how to move on it mm-hmm. and so that of course didn't exist when we were little although we all were riding bikes by the time we were four or five right but we weren't inverting our bike we weren't like right. leaping over freight trains on it <clears throat> so i do feel like yeah, maybe the maybe this is not the era where the technology is. Even though it, that's what it seems like to us, we're living in a technology age. Mm-hmm. But maybe the this next generation is making all these advancements in in this kinetic and uh, kind of body and arts and mind soul ways that it's going to be really hard for us to see at first, except in in TikTok videos. Mm-hmm. But like, how is that going to yeah, what like your, your sense of culture going to be like when they're 35, you know, and, or like your sense of what's possible. And there's like a million ways this is going to be a really lazy example. But think about how um, nothing not to say anything against uh, Eric Clapton, but like Eric Clapton was regarded as the greatest living guitar player in the I late know. 60s playing like warm blues or yeah. like B.B. King. But the, no, setting those aside, though, yeah, you had Jimi Hendrix come along. What, like really like kind of caught on in England, 66, 67. And not to say, I mean, there's a million shredding, very good, accomplished guitar players, whether that's James Taylor or John McLaughlin. Like, James Taylor's a really good guitar player. There's all those players that came along. But when was the next really big guitar god? Eddie Van Halen in 1978. And Eddie Van Halen famously, like, he would, he didn't want people to know what his settings were. He had to, like, protect his IP for, like, how he sounded. The way, the first time any little boy hears eruption, you go, this is something very different. Now, today, um, I, I listen to a lot of music. I've been kind of catching up on math rock, like the kind of emo-ish math rock. I don't know how much you've seen math rock in the last few years, but fucking everybody's like Jeff Watson now. Mm. They can do these crazy spoodily spoodilies where the, their left hand, so they're usually using a capo around this like seventh or ninth fret or something like that. And they're doing these crazy figures with their left hand that you would associate with somebody like, say, I don't know, um, not Eno, but um, uh, King Crimson, Robert. Frip, 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 frip. Sort of a frip-like, you know, riff with your left hand. And with the right hand, then you're tapping on for a separate melody in a fucking math rock song. Yeah. If that's all stuff that, like, I would do. I would do I, I learned a little bit of eruption from guitar for the practicing, practicing musician. And that's how I learned, you know, that basic tapping technique. But now today, that's so in the bones of what people learn to do as part of their vocabulary. I'm not sure if it's related, but I do think to state the obvious, there is that sense of like, well, nobody's ever done this before. Why would I think I can do it now? And, and, but with all that exposure and all that equipment and all that, uh, you know, you get strong bones from all the, all the food, you know, it used to just feel like it would, they, they, well, they were, they were physical limitations. You could, you physically couldn't do that stuff. You certainly couldn't do it on, like, you couldn't do it on, like, Robert Johnson. We, the guitar Robert Johnson was playing would probably not be super friendly 
about hammer-ons above the 12th fret. <laughs> I mean, I bet his action was pretty high. But what I wonder about the fancy is, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the sort of muesli yogurt <laughs> fancy was, you know, yeah. it, was pr it was premised on <clears throat> the fact that we had a monoculture, and it was a monoculture that was stratified. There were, right. you know, there were low-class, things there were middle class things there were high up I, I i'm sure you remember upper middle class how important that distinction Just look was. no further than automobiles where you could get the you could get the civic or, or like like you know I'm trying to let's, think let's talk about this in chevy terms my friend oh boy you could get well nova no doesn't go no but even the trim packages but but what, one thing that's interesting about what you're saying though i think is like you could get a fam, an upgraded version of something familiar like you could get uh, a sedan with um, like power locks and power windows, but you're still getting the same Mopar under the hood, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the difference is like an, an electric vehicle or even a hybrid vehicle is a, is a different kind of automobile. Like remember when people first started getting Teslas? Mm -hmm. And like you're, you just got it. You're, you're on the next level. I mean, like you're living in a different kind of bookcase now. Yeah, right. Right, you've got a plug in your basement where you, where you put gas in your car. Yeah, yeah, and like like if you were if you were a, I don't know anything much at all about how cars work, but you know I do know that as somebody who used to service his own car when I had a VW, had that book that everybody had. I mean, like if you knew the basics of how an automobile worked, you could probably help anybody with their car a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to make this the big bitch about where like, are oh, those guys. I don't know. They're still around. Where well, they're me. aging out, you know, it's like yeah. World War II veterans. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Rocket Money. You can learn more about Rocket Money right now by visiting rocketmoney.com slash supertrain. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is more like $200, maybe more. So you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. It's time to start using Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. Have you ever tried to cancel a subscription and it takes you four different tries? I have. In less than 30 seconds, you can order a hot meal, a ride to the airport, a giant uh, case of toilet paper. Canceling a subscription, though, wow, that can clear the rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening. Uh, this is an app that will show you all your subscriptions in one place and cancel uh, any of the ones that you don't want. It'll do it for you, okay? Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You may even find out you've been uh, double-charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel. And Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money starting right now. You go to rocketmoney.com slash supertrain. Uh, it could save you hundreds of dollars per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash supertrain. Our thanks to Rocket Money for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. We lose a few every year. There's this there's this common trope that Americans uh, are, are um, globally illiterate or you know can't find Russia on a map, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And that, that that's mostly baloney. There, I read a statistic that over seventy percent of Americans have traveled outside of the country. Is that right? Yeah, but cumulatively. The, yeah, but the huh. uh, the then you get into this the stratification again because fifteen percent of the people have only been to one country. And then another... I'm in Canada and uh, England, so don't another, get up in my grill. 
twelve percent have been to two countries. And you <laughs> I know, was in and, London for almost three days. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you been to you've been to Canada and to England, England? Yeah, I've been to Canada three or four times, and um, one time I did a talk in Brighton. So flew to Heathrow and then. I guess flew to, to Brighton. I don't remember. Took a train or something to Brighton. I don't. I. But yeah, yeah. But no, I haven't been to. Oh, English you know what? I've been to Mexico. Right? I've been to yeah, Mexico. Right. See, there's three countries. So now that's you yeah. Know. But I mean, really, it was more of a San Diego centric trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were mainly there to, to see the pandas. But you went across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm not I'm nothing. I'm not anywhere in the league where you are for sure. Well, but no, that's the that that's the. Um, that's that Europe, the, the, the kind of the, the chauvinism that they have in Europe where, you know, you, if you walk out the front door of your house in Belgium, you've been to four countries by the time you got to school. And might, and might be able to, like, figure your way with three languages. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I speak Spanish and Portuguese. I'm not, I'm not talking about, like, the people Portuguese. you see on TV. I'm talking about people who got a URL and, like, just went to just go to different places. Like, we're just going to go to Spain for a vacation or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's much more, well, because of the geography there. By the way, geography, I think, might pound for pound be my worst category on Jeopardy, if I'm being honest. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Do you, you don't struggle with that? I know, I know, I know Machu Picchu. <clears throat> I, love, I love geography. It was... <clears throat> it oh, was I, I like geography, I but for me, it's like freehand drawing, where like I've, and playing the piano, <laughs> where like, one reason I enjoyed, like just moments ago, I was listening to, they call it a raw session, but it was not very raw. It's the raw session for We Are the Champions. And just listening to Frederick Mercury, just his voice and playing piano, of course. Like, I, I admire that so much, but I am not good at that. I think sometimes the things we admire the most are the things that we feel like we're least capable of doing. Watching somebody be able to draw is just, like, mind-blowing to me. It's the... When we used to go on tour when everybody would get tired of listening to music and we would all just be so bored, you know, the, the 15th eight hour drive in the last two weeks. And the whole, would, the whole, the whole van smells like urine and meat. Well, we didn't, we didn't get to let, let it get that bad, but, <laughs> but I would say, yeah, I would sometimes tell Eric, like, get the Atlas out and <laughs> quiz me, you know? Oh, like, interesting. Speed round, hot, 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 pop quiz, hot shot. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, like, uh, ask me, um, like you second know, how, biggest city in Michigan or something like that. Exactly right. Like how? What? Name all the rivers that feed into the Ohio River. And oh, Jesus. so, and so Eric would come up with these questions, or or Sean would, and then I would sit there behind the wheel, and I would be like, all the states that touch, you know, the the Monongahela. Let's go. Or what? That's kind of an easy one, but is it? Because not not that many states touch the Monongahela. Uh, is that that's uh, Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. And ding 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 ding. Because you get Three River Stadium. Yeah. I don't know what but, the other two rivers are. But like you're Ohio, well, Ohio, Ohio, well, Mongahela, and the uh, tip tippy canoe. Tip a canoe. That's right. You got it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And the Ohio, I, you know, that whole three rivers thing doesn't that doesn't make any sense because the Ohio is just the combination of the other the other two rivers. It's not like three rivers all come meet in the middle of the lake. A ri- John, are you a river denier? <laughs> yeah, I'm. A, I'm a truther. You call you call that a river. But what's more like a brook. What's frustrating, you know, spending time with Ken Jennings is that Ken, you oh, can Jesus. say like, what's the biggest river in Uzbekistan? And he knows it, not just because he studied it to, to, to know it for the show, but because he, he likes geography. He's interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, so, some kinds of, there's some kinds of skills that really seem to exist in people's 
you know, bones. I think mathematics, not mathematics, but especially arithmetic, because I don't know much about stuff beyond arithmetic. But arithmetic, there are some pe- people who I feel like see sums the way that, I'm not talking about like Rain Man stuff, I'm, but I'm talking about people who have that rough ability to somehow in their head multiply things by 12 and know plus or minus a certain percent like what something is. And I, I, I say in bones, but like maybe that's just because they're smarter, maybe because they were good students. But there are some people that have an, a more, I won't say a natural ability, but a more natural ability to absorb and synthesize that information. And the synthesis is what makes you great on Jeopardy because Jeopardy, I mean, they're going to ask you questions. Sometimes it's real obvious, but you get down into 600s, 800s, you get higher and you're getting more into this contextual stuff where you're going to really need to know two different things because the cues are, are, are getting cute. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's the people who seem to really thrive at this kind of stuff and makes the people like me where like, I'm so fucking left brained that my everything I draw lo- looks like an egg that's about to break. It's all it's terrible. It's just terrible. It's not in my bones at all. Ken, well, you're, you're not a. He's drawer. doing. He's doing great. I I doodle, but like it's something I really am trying. I really, and uh, it's too too long to talk about. But yeah, I'm trying. It really means so much to me to like watch people draw something. I'm like, you made that look like the thing that it is, not what my brain thought it was shaped like. If you, know have, you ever, I mean. have you ever trawed, um Have you ever tried to draw the pirate or the or the parrot? I just skippy. Um, I was offered. Skippy? A, yeah, I was. Uh, I yes, I and I was offered a uh, partial scholarship to the Ernest Hemingway famous school of turtle <laughs> turtle artists. Let me recommend. There's a there's a, a friend of mine here in Seattle named Catherine Radke is a, <clears throat> a is a, a an incredible sort of pen and ink illustrator. Oh, I love it. And she's got a uh, she's got a, a an Instagram account. Oh, like where you can watch her draw. And she does this. She does this thing where you know she'll. It, they're, 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 she has this incredibly graceful line, and she'll do a she'll do a portrait of someone, and and it's with this incredible economy. Yeah, it's a, of it looks, line. There's four lines, and it's already yeah. starting to look like only that person's. And face. you're like, I can't believe that this is happening. And I know. Her, and her, where does I it mean, come her, from? Her work never fails. So anyway, Catherine Radke, I highly recommend you go check her out. The the thing about the the, the fancy oh, though yeah. is that that we've spent a lot of time since we were kids in living in a world where like fancy and gross consumerism became synonymous, right? The thing about like the the muesli in the granola <clears throat> is that it isn't actually luxurious; it's culturally fancy. Right, it's kind of like it's sort of like you know both a Rolex and a Volvo can be seen as fancy, but mm-hmm. they are pretty different. In just for somebody of my age, they're pretty different in that sense of well, a Rolex, it's they're all telling the same time, and like why do you want that? Well, it's you know it's a Veblen good. It's something you get because it's fancy. Whereas I could see somebody saying I want this Volvo in the seventies or eighties because I know it is demonstrably safer than my Chrysler New Yorker. Yeah, uh, you, the yogurt and and granola is not ex- more expensive. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not uh, fancy because it because it uh, does it has some amazing uh, function. Yeah, it's culturally fancy because it's, it's not a like, reference it's not like caviar. To, no, yeah, it 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 it, uh, it refers to knowledge. It it it, it communicates right. that yeah, yeah. I've been overseas or I know someone who has or I'm, Yeah, this a, is the way they this is the way they serve this in Morocco. This is how you hold your knife and fork if you live in Germany. And it's a kind of but it isn't it isn't it isn't pretentious or it isn't all pretentious. 
um, although pretentiousness can be wrapped up in it. A lot of that's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, it's like I was just saying to my kid the other day, I once heard that Americans are the only people who frequently experience culture shock when returning to their own country. Yeah. Where like if you're like, a, if you're like a, a bike person, you might go, wow, Amsterdam really does this well. Or like when I was in New Zealand, the food, all of the food in New Zealand. Oh, sorry, I've been in New Zealand. Jesus, there you go. So bing, good. Bing, bing. And of course they have the Monongahela is in West Virginia too. So I, it's just like, you've been to New Zealand. I, I guess I have, I, yeah. I guess I really have. Um, but, but no, no, but, but sometimes you're like, no, no, this is just a better way to do this. Like I, I saw somebody like, you know, okay, here's another one. Here's another one. This might is on the, on the edge of fancy Brussels sprouts. There, there's, hmm. there's a, there's a reason why Brussels sprouts of my life tastes like shit. Which is that the way that the, my understanding is that the way we have cooked Brussels sprouts before uh, exaggerates the bitter, sulfurish taste of a Brussels sprout or a cabbage. Like oh. boiling it makes it worse. Whereas if I do that, if I roast those like a fancy lad, I roast those in the oven yeah. with you know kosher salt and balsamic vinegar. Like yeah. that's an entire. It's almost it's it's you can't even really call night. you can't call it the same food. Oh, I'm so into roasting vegetables. I watched a YouTube video a video about roasting vegetables. John, I started roasting my broccoli and I, I may never look back. Yeah, it's amazing. But, but somebody comes to your house and goes, "Whoa, look at you, San Francisco! Look at me, I'm roasting broccoli! <laughs> oh yeah, I got air horns outside my office." You got you got to crumble some bacon on it, and then you're you know there you go. Well, but and that's you, don't, what, you don't have to ask me twice. That's what I don't know. I don't have cultural eyes. Yeah, uh, that would allow me to know what a comparable thing is now. Oh, because I see what you're saying. We've we, yeah. we we've been living in a world where where and I think you know in all honesty, like the the fact that hip hop has dominated a certain part of youth culture for you watch a basketball long time. now. All you hear is trap music. It's the weirdest thing. Trap music. Wow. Yeah, the kind of ticka ticka. Not like yeah. not like not like Timberlane. I know that's an old reference, but like but more like you know what I mean. The ticka ticka yeah. sound like an uh, like an Aaliyah song. But yeah. there's that you know it's, it sounds like basketball is what it sounds like. It's like it's like heavy guys in jerseys. White guys are like are, are aware of these bands now. Yeah. Well, but 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 the but the the way that brand awareness mm -hmm. and like fancy brands communicating a certain kind of well wealth, I guess, but also. It's not status exactly as it is knowledge. You, you nailed you know? it. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say, you nailed it, I think. You really get at it when you talk about, like, I know enough to know when there's a decision point about something without specifically without regard to, to cost. But you might say, you could even, you, there's a million ways you can get this. And you go like, oh, well, blah, 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 something Karl Marx. And you're like, yeah, but, like, you can't really talk about Marx without talking about Hegel. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh, God. Can we just? Can I just tell you a thing I learned from a? No, you have to comic? talk about Hegel. And then, in fact, the rest of this show is going to be Merlin and me talking. It will about be. Hegel. It will be in three parts. This is a tripartite <laughs> podcast, and by, and by the end, we'll get to uh, the synthesis. I just. Uh, <laughs> That's stupid, stupid fucking go. liberal arts. No, I should have gone to good. electronics school like my friend. I should have gone to the United Electronics Institute and learned how to fix cash registers. He's he's successful now. I, I read. Know. Yeah. I know. I know. <sighs> I like I like that knowledge angle though because that that it gets at uh, the uh, 
it gets at the conundrum a couple different ways because you get it, it like, and you know what I mean when I talk about like turns out stuff. The like, well, it, yeah. you know, yeah. you thought that this thing, you thought you were supposed to never drink wine. Well, it turns out that one glass of wine a day is good for your heart. Well, it turns out that you could take this instead. Eat grape seeds because that'll be good for you. Well, it turns out that grape seeds, you know, uh, uh, cause cancer or whatever. Wait, grape seeds <sighs> cause cancer? No, on? they got interferon. No, you have to just cross it with a peach pit because you get the interferon from the... Oh, uh, the interferon. Uh, yeah. Remember that when interferon was going to change everything? It's always in Time Magazine. Vaguely. Always, Vaguely. Always, but, but, but like the... But, but the, 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 I say... Uh, I, you know, I should get my, my notebook. But, but it's um, the knowledge part also is kind of the galling part of it where you're like, oh, were you not aware about drinking a glass of wine a day? My doctor recommended it. Like, well, I feel like such a fucking... I feel like fucking Elmer Fudd now because <laughs> I didn't know how to save my heart with alcohol but like you know what i'm saying so it's one thing to go like okay oh oh i, I now that i've gr started grinding my own coffee i can't ever, ever go back if sam's parents said that in 1984 or 5 i would have thought god that's kind of a shitty you know a big timing kind of thing to say but on the other hand i i honestly feel like i know microwaves are not in fashion right now but i really value our microwave i would not want to go back to having to use the oven to cook everything but from a certain perspective for somebody of your mom's generation i bet microwaves came along when they're like oh, you've got to be kidding me another thing in my kitchen i i already know how to cook i don't i don't need this easy bake oven to, to put my roast chicken in Remember well, I, I think I've talked about uh, this many times before, but the mm -hmm. thing about the microwave is that it came along at the exact same moment that nachos arrived. I think the two of them were bundled. And so if you were at all... You, so you're doing... About, you, know, you, you know what you're doing? What's the guy's name? Who's that guy I like with the glasses? Uh, the, the connections guy, the English guy on PBS, James, whatever his name is. I'll think of it. But there's that guy who's always like, and that's why if it weren't for gunpowder, we wouldn't have spaghetti or whatever. Like the, that, you know what I mean? Uh, James yeah. Clive Anderson? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That's the kind of... You're telling me, John, that, that uh, uh, bienvenidos ah. Uh, Nachos, e, uh, uh, solamente so, so microwave, con las nachos, um, um, beber, escribir. No, that's writing, isn't it? Anyway, please listen closely. Roderick on the line is an important program about ideas. Hitler, the Beatles, ravines, sleeping in landfills, and getting out of the way. You are listening to it now. In any case, for the first time ever, you can now support this vital work directly by visiting patreon.com slash Roderick on the line and choosing to make a monthly pledge. Now more than ever, your monthly gift ensures that new thought technologies will continue to shape our youth and discomfort our elders. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Roderick on the line or giveroderickyourmoney.com. Because by the time Super Train arrives, it may already be too late for you. Is that a chance you really want to take? Anyway, you put them in. You put them in your in your microwave, and now you got nachos with, with, with cheese, not not just the chips. It's the whole reason that my mom adopted the microwave was because <gasps> it could make this brand new food that we had never experienced before, that that swept our home like a you know like a red wave. Um, kind of thing can, that was was brand new and like uh, I the nachos you, felt like a thing that you could only get in a restaurant. You should we had to have, go to Tampa. We, didn't even, we, we had to go to Tampa know. to get nachos when I was in high school. The Taco Bell with with nachos and cheese was in Tampa. That was still a very new idea to me. 
Yeah, we we didn't we didn't have a restaurant though you could get them in. It was the type of thing where we got introduced to the idea of nachos mm. and it seemed like a thing that should only be available in a restaurant. We understood we 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 understood that we had leapt mm -hmm. over something in the middle. The microwave allowed us to make food better than you could get if you went to the if you went to a restaurant mm -hmm. by melting cheese. But now that information is so inexpensive, easy, and ready by 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 um you know by extension. So to answer your question, though, what is fancy today? I guess it depends a lot on who you're talking to. Well, what I what I'm what I'm curious about is I was at the mall the other day, mm -hmm. and well, what's left of it? <laughs> well, no, the malls are thriving, right? Okay, or at least this mall is. And the idea was I was going to take my kid. I'd been saying to her for a while, uh, I'm going to take you and a friend to the mall. I'm going to sit in the food court. I'm going to give you each twenty dollars, and then mm -hmm. you can just go explore the mall, and I will be up here. I'm not going to follow you around. Um, I trust you that you're going to not spend that $20 on candy, although you can get some candy, but I want to see what you spend your money on, you know, when you come back. And I also want you to enjoy the experience of just being a lot, being free on your own. You can't do like I did and go play in the forest, but this is an enormous mall and, um, and you guys just, you, you know, you're cut loose. You get and, to go just just be yourself in public for a while. Yeah, and you're not un, you're not being super, supervised. Yeah, yeah. So I go to the mall with her little friend, and I and I'm texting, I'm texting her mother, the the, the friend's mother, and the friend's mother says, "Oh, well, she has, uh, she gets paid for her chores, and so she's saved up a bunch of money." Hmm. And I was like, "She gets paid for her chores." Oh, and this is an important play, play date. No, no. Well, well, this disparity in, in resources uh, well, for kids. That's why you're only allowed to bring so much on a field trip, right? So I said, well, so tell me more about this. And she yes, said, well, yes. she saved up $100. And she's going to bring the $100 to the mall. And I'm really curious. This is the mother say, saying, I'm really curious to see what she spends it on. Because, <laughs> you know, she's saved up all this money. <laughs> she and, walks up to the Chick-fil-A wearing a very fancy hat. <laughs> Well, who know? You know, like who? Like who a knows? Sunday, like an Atlanta lady Sunday go to church. It could be right. Yeah, she could. It's her money, you know, she earned it. Yeah, she could come home with a bicycle. Who knows? Yeah. So they're going. So here we are. We're on our way to the mall, and uh, and my daughter's little friend says, "Well, you know, I I get paid for my chores, and I've saved up a hundred dollars, and I have a hundred dollars." Well, my daughter looks at me, like, and she doesn't get paid for her chores. We, we've been operating on the, well, your chores are part of the, of how to do the family. You know, you're, it's just the contribution that you make to, to living here. Careful, careful. Um, I don't want you to get in trouble. But the, uh. My kid is denied resources because they are included in their living. I know. Uh, so we're standing at the front door of the mall and I go, all right, well, you know, your friend has a hundred dollars of her own money. Right. I'm going to give you one hundred dollars. <gasps> oh, and talk about a pop quiz. Let's see what happens. So I give you, her hundred dollars. <laughs> remember, it's very easy for both or either of you to really disappoint your parents here. Just well, FYI, and, and as soon as you know, as soon as she walks away, I have a moment with myself where it's like, okay, this is a pop quiz on her, but mm -hmm. I cannot be disappointed. I set her up for this. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. if she comes back and has just bought. 
That's a good approach. That's one hundred dollars of, of pure garbage, like Necco wafers or something. I can't. You know uh, that this isn't that she hasn't been training for this for years. She doesn't know what a fucking dollar does because unlike me, who stood at the cash register. Uh, one million times with my mother and said, oh, I oh, can I have some gum? And she was like, we can't afford gum. Well, you know, the time that I wrote to President Ford um, was I wrote it to President Ford about inflation in 1975. Uh-huh. Did, you turn, did you encourage him to whip it? Yeah, whip, uh, it whip inflation whip now, now, yes. Yeah. Or, or you turn it upside down and says Nixon is a moron. Remember that? <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> those buttons were everywhere. But I do remember Rich President Ford because I got a dollar for when I would go it's, to like hang out with my um, my uncle, my father's brother's family on the weekends. My mom would break, I'd hang out with them a lot on weekends and go to Swallens, the, mm-hmm. the really good like variety store in Cincinnati. And I wrote to President Ford and I said, This dollar I have uh, th- through my mother. My my my, uh, my single uh, parent mother <clears throat> is uh, all I can get is some caps. I can't get anything good. I couldn't even buy a gun to put the caps in. Aww. You know, you know what I'm saying. But like that, you've thrown your kids into you've thrown your daughter in some ways into the deep end of plenty. Mm-hmm. Right. Like well, she doesn't normally have a hundred dollars in her pocket, right? No, she doesn't. And you know, and we're living in a universe, of course, where a hundred dollars doesn't buy what ten dollars did. Right. Um, but. But I had set myself up for this situation. I was not prepared for this. And what I learned was that the little girl who had earned her $100 was a lot less um, spendthrifty. You know, she she bought a couple of things at the Lego store and a couple of things at a couple of little she trinkets at Claire's. She all? And she was As like, a poor kid, I cannot believe that because well, I, I, would, I would spend every single nickel of that, maybe on video games or something even. She came back to report to me at the food court. Um, well, you know, I spent, you know, $25, but then I don't want to spend any more because now I want to get back, you know, I want to go do some chores and work back up to $100 because it was really good. It felt really good to have $100. <gasps> wow. And, you know, and she volunteered that. I wasn't even quizzing her. And, you know, my little girl spent $85 yeah. Yeah. at this, that, and the other. And she got a little one of these, and she bought a makeup kit Well, if you gave, her, if you gave me $1,000, I would have probably spent 800 at least. I mean, so, the, 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 the amount can sound shocking to somebody, but it's mainly a question of, like, as those dollars disappear from your pocket, do you have a sense of, like, how you feel about those being gone from your pocket as against how you feel about what you've acquired. And and that can be a really mixed feeling at the end of the day. You could feel a little bit like fucking Augustus Gloop or something. Well, and that was the thing that motivated me as a kid. It hurt me way more to lose the money than it did to gain whatever it was the money could buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but but my little girl doesn't have that, obviously, because she does she hasn't made that connection. And it was a it, it was it it was and is still because I have all I have a little bag. That has all the receipts of uh, her purchases, <laughs> and I want to sit down with her and go through the receipts and tally them up and see, you know, and look at the tax and look at how the money plays out, like uh, the um, the how it feels to spend it versus how it feels to have it. But it's, but I'm going to be struggling not to put a bunch of of my own judgment baggage, of course, of course. on. The money, because it's never going to connect with her until she's until that's really her money that she's earned somehow, mm-hmm. right? 
she's going to look at it and I'm go, feeling like when you're in oh, college, when you're like, I can have laundry or food, but I can't have both. Yeah, right. But as I was sitting in the mall, so I'm sitting there, and I've got three hours to kill in the food court, um, just watching kids, basically. Because the mall, and this mall in particular, the South Center Mall here, is one of these incredibly diverse community spaces where every single person mm. that walks by is from a universe different from the next person, right? There's hmm. uh, there's no homogeneity You don't get that much of that these days apart from like sports events. There's not that many places you go, at least that we go, that we see people. Well, I mean, we're in a pretty diverse neighborhood, but I, I know I know what you mean. It's unusual. There's one mall here. I think they're actually going to destroy it, Tamfran Mall. There's a lot of people there who are like Pacific Islanders and stuff like that, and then a lot of Latino families and stuff like that. And it's it's always so interesting to see how how everybody rolls in that environment. It's it's phenomenal, and it's it's a thing that that didn't exist when I was young. A public space where tens of thousands of people were intermingling with each mm -hmm. other, and they are all races, colors, and creeds. And you're you know, and I'm having these moments where I'm watching a group of five teenage girls, one of them in a hijab, one of them in a half shirt. You know, one of them with like platinum blonde hair and, you know, and big blue eyes. And, um, you know, and then the leader of the group is like a little Asian girl with dreadlocks. And I'm like, what? I don't even know where to, what school are they from? You know, if like, you went to my junior high, people would, couldn't even decide how to make fun of you. It's well, really complicated. You know, the, like, like at any time prior to, tw I mean, 20 years ago, that would have been the cast of a science fiction show. Well, or it would right. have been like a Brady or Bunch even, episode with a birthday party where you had to have one of each. Even it, recently. just you didn't know? happen. Yeah, because well, of schools and busing. And like, it's just, it was, you didn't get those combinations as much. Certainly not where I'm from. But what I was noticing is, as you know, I like to look at footwear. Hmm. Because I believe the shoe tells the story. Mm -hmm. And there was a certain kind of, there was a well. Not being displayed in the the actual shoes like expensive shoes mm -hmm. the wealth was that we were living we're, we're in the northwest it is now <laughs> winter and it's cold okay i know where this is going yes and there are lots and lots of people walking around in shoes that are not shoes when I see They're, people walking the streets of San Francisco, even in my suburban neighborhood wearing flip-flops, I'm always like, what are you doing? Because your shoes, as you've taught me, shoes are a way of you telling me what you're prepared for or what you think is going to happen in your life. Yeah. And in and, and the same way that like, if I were an automobile mechanic, I wouldn't have like super long, you know, like fancy lady nails. Like if you're walking, if you're walking around, uh, Ugg boots, you know, not a huge fan, but like that makes more sense than like wearing you know, Birkenstocks to the mall. It's like, what are you, what are you prepared for in this city? Well, and it's, it's, it's obviously like a kind of status shoe to be wearing what looks to me like a shower shoe. It's not even a flip flop. It's like a, yeah, like those Adidas blue yeah. white ones. Yeah. Yeah. A little shower shoe. Or then there was a kid, there was this group of four like black teenage boys that were so cool. They were, they were just way cool. Like, they had a cool vibe that almost felt like they were wearing skinny lapel suits and black ties and sunglasses. Like, they felt that cool. Mm -hmm. um, but they weren't. They were wearing whatever, regular street, you know, or some version of, like, street fashion. But one of the kids was wearing, I think, either Nike or Adidas, but they were 
they were just rubberized shower shoe kind of things, but they fit like they went over his entire foot, but they were, Hmm. but water could get in, you know, they were just made of plastic. There wasn't, there was no leather or lace. It was, um, it was just some, it was, they looked extremely uncomfortable and extremely impractical and, and they were extremely unattractive, but all three of those like impractical, uncomfortable and, (laughs) and unattractive combined on him made a statement where, and the statement was one of, well, in that you could not work in these shoes. Mm -hmm. You could not run in them. You could not be outside in them for long. They well, were, and let alone showing up for an executive job. It, it's it's kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, not, I know that sounds silly, but like it it really does tell the world, like I say, like like what you're what you're ready for, what you're expecting, and that's why it was so comical to me when you see these 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 chuds walking around in hockey pads, you know, acting like they're like the you know the January sixth kind of people, and, yeah. and you're like, wow, you you're really ready. You're wearing like a water fountain as a helmet. That's really cool <laughs> um, because you saw that I guess on a forum somewhere. Whereas to be an athletic black teenager in cool shoes at the mall telegraphs a kind of of confidence and sh- sureness about who you are beyond just like in the late eighties wearing a bunch of gold chains. Like there's something about that that's very luxe. Well, the the the. It's the, in a way, luxury has always been communicating that you don't have to work and that you don't have to fear. And wow, yeah, nobody that's wearing a pair of of uh, shower shoes in winter is prepared for the 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 power to go out. Mm-hmm. And and. And it's it's not conscious, right? And Pauline, we're, they're from a place where the power doesn't go off. We're or all you know, you're always in a heated vehicle. Yeah, we're all now living in a place where we're so far from the power going off, way further from it than we were as kids. Yeah, you know, the power would go off and it would stay off for hours. And but but I think I mean my parents for sure. My mom was never sure the power would ever come back on. And was totally prepared for it not to, um, and not not out of a survivalist mentality. Just like, well, wh- where are you going to put your money? You going to put it in in the banks? <laughs> you know, yeah. what, what do you? <laughs> what are you gonna, simple? <laughs> you're going to what? You, you you need you need steel to cut your oats. Um, you're going to starve to death. You're going to have a tough time this winter if you're yeah. if your oat cutting steel breaks, yeah. you or you what, can't find someone to hone it for you. You, you know, we used to cut our oats other huh. oats. Oh my gosh! Oh, I, yeah, fractal oats. Um. <laughs> so, but so looking at this, looking at this, at this group, uh, uh, and by this group I mean like I saw, I surveilled one thousand teenagers. Yeah. In the course of three hours, as they just cycled through the mall, it was just a gyre, and I was watching them and, and trying to pick up all of the signals, and I could not see. For one, there was no unifying, uh, like style slash status uh, brand thing. Think, think about 19, I'm going to say 1983 or four. Everybody, all the boys that I knew, the young men, would to, if they had the money, would buy their clothes at Chess King. And all of the young women would go to the limited 
So like all the, the girls are wearing a spree and all yeah. the guys are wearing like Joe Elliott, you know, flag shirts and parachute pants or whatever. But there was a real, it was very much, well, certainly because maybe it was Pasco County, Florida, very much a monoculture of like, there's this one lane of sophistication and wealth and you either did that or you didn't. And, well, and putting what, an alligator was, on your shirt wouldn't help. What was crazy was that other than those, that, those four black teenage boys that were like, <laughs> and they didn't look anything like each other. They were just rocking a very deep awareness of how you could, how powerful you could be if you had a, if you had a look like a, mm-hmm. like a good look. But a lot of times I would see in, in these groups of girls, four or five girls, one of them is norm core. One of them is uh, mm. punk rock. Yes. One of them is from, you know, is jock girl. Right. So, right. so there you're, was you're, like, it happens with my kid. And and uh, and his friends like it's very there's not it isn't like some clutch of like four or six mostly identical people from the same class or, or whatever it really it really there's a lot of mix them up whether that's for obvious reasons with like uh, gender and uh, and sexual stuff and race and like but like what you're describing here like my kid is equally. F- comfortable in a crowd with a kid that would have been considered like a nerdy Asian girl with braces and like someone who's like a Nubian queen. And they all, they all just hang out together and they're not dressed the same. They're not all wearing like poodle skirts or something. They're each repping something very, very different. And I, I'm, I'm the weird one to look at that and go, I'm glad that exists, but boy, is that ever different than what I came up with. If you well, have the wrong haircut, you could be an outcast. That's the thing that what, that my mom commented on when I said, what has changed more, you know, uh, going to the moon or, yes, or having so. email. And she said, no, no, no. The thing that's changed the most is that little uh, black girls and little white girls are friends now. And they never could have been when I was a kid. Like actually friends. Like friends. They just right, walk no, around but there. You know what I mean? Not like being polite for a reason. No, like, they no, no, they're the actually really good pals. And, yeah. and they know each other. And, and, they, it, and it doesn't seem at all unusual to them, which is amazing. <laughs> but like so much of the way that you and I learned the rules had, it was the idea that there was fancy and not fancy, that there were good books and not good books. That there were good mm. books and better books. And as as you've, I mean, think about oh, yeah. like good bands and not good bands. Oh, well, um, it's just there's there's gas station coffee, there's grocery store coffee, and then there's like f- fancy grinder and beans coffee, but it's all still coffee. One of the things that defined us was that, that everything was stratified. Mm-hmm. There was a better version there was a cheap version that you got if you couldn't afford the good version. And then there was the middle version that was probably the best value. And that was true, not just of coffee, but like of <laughs> always, culture. always, if you can afford it, always buy the middle one. Yeah. I mean, do you remember I mean, the first time I sat down with the times literary supplement and said, look, I'm a smart and I can hang with any smart and I'm going to read the Times Literary Supplement because fuck you, you can't have a thing. You can't be smarter than me. Yeah. And I started to read the Times Literary Supplement and I was like, what? You want to read this every week? Who the fuck are you people? Mm-hmm. 
And then first time, I sat- first time when, even as somebody who's, who had a subscription to Rolling Stone for a while, the first time my friend Michael gave me a copy of New Music Express, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is really over my pay grade." Like I don't understand the English sense of humor. I don't know who Harley. There's, there's an article in here somewhere about the Water Boys, and I know who they are, but like almost every other band in here, I don't even know why they're making fun of them, and I felt like such a fucking rube. It was it was hard for me to acknowledge that there was a place a, a place in the class stratification that was highbrow mm-hmm. that I I got there I I put my hands inside the uh, inside the door and and pulled my head up and looked around <laughs> and and self selected out right it wasn't that I didn't get it but I didn't and it. And it it wasn't that somebody said, whoa, 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 how did you get in here? I just looked around. I tried to consume high culture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this isn't for me. This isn't where I want to live. And I went back to my plate, which was where I was comfortable, which was in that kind of high, middle, uh, intellectual, but middle brow still, fun reading but smart, but you know, like the music. It's like if you're checking fashion. off, you check off that box, like about your education. It's like where it's like I never finished elementary school or whatever. Yeah, right. And then you eventually there's that one that says at the highest or higher levels you see postdoctorate degree, you see college. It's like you click the box that says some college. Yeah, right. You get you got. And the thing was realizing that 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 class structure that I had seen as a young person described to me many times. Then when I found myself actually making choices mm. and realizing that every one of my choices was what, although I was not consciously choosing and I certainly wasn't being told where I belonged, I was self-selecting mm-hmm. to be where I was, which was where my parents had been, this kind of cultural place. And it's mm. what made sense to me. And there were books and songs and movies and things that I felt were beneath me because they weren't smart <laughs> or like enough. Or like, like he's enough. a phrase like guilty pleasure. Or like the way you talk about, like, oh, I listen to that. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. Like listen me listening to um, Yummy, Yummy, Yummy or something from when <laughs> I was a kid. Where it's like, you know what I mean? Or for that matter, like I'm going to eat this Kraft macaroni and cheese because that is kind of like where I'm from. I'm sort of beyond, on most levels, beyond, in a variety of levels, hopefully, beyond Kraft macaroni and cheese. But that's still that that home flavor. Or you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, where, like, mm-hmm. you, you settle back into a, I guess you might even call it like a reversion to the mean. Like, wherever you're from, you kind of end up back in that area because there's this gravitational force that kind of draws you back into where you're from. But what I don't know about the kids now mm-hmm. and the world now is that like for instance all those fashion brands balenciaga and uh, i didn't realize how i've heard that name i did not realize how costly that is it's extremely costly it's it's like beyond it's like the it's like the difference between like i don't, I don't even know what to say like a, a jaguar and a lamborghini like that's a very very costly brand right well and and when I look at all that stuff, mm-hmm. I think of it as being kind of Euro trash, like it's beneath me, even though it's way more expensive than I could ever afford. It's a kind of, it's, it's culturally beneath me. Yeah. Um, or, or to the side of it, right? It's not because I'm over here in a Volvo eating muesli. <laughs> like there's also, there's also parked outside the mall. 
there's virtue signaling about mm. the class oh, yeah. stuff too, right? Like, like the the reason rich people drive Volga, Volvos and eat muesli is that they are communicating to one another and to each other this kind of these values, tribal things also, yeah. But and tribal things exactly. Well, like, like think so, about like the way you dress when you're an attorney. Like if you're going to be if you're a partner at a law firm with like five names. You know, you're going to wear a certain kind of tasseled loafer and, and not other kinds. So you're not going to wear your driving shoes. Or maybe you are. It depends on the culture and what signals that this, this dark blue suit signals that I belong here with you. And we both know that now. Oh, my God. When I was dating Millennium Girlfriend, there was a time she was going through her closet and I was like, what's all that? She was like, oh, those are my lawyer suits from when I was, you know, like right out of law school and practicing mm. law. And I was like, you have lawyer suits? And she was and like, had yeah. to like, had to like rep, I, you can trust me, I'm a lawyer. And so I sat on the couch and I was like, please try on your lawyer suits. Oh, God, and she so was like, so I really don't want to. And I was like, just please, just for me. And so for like an evening, I oh sat there God. while she put on these, these, these pinstriped gray flannel suits with the little yellow <sighs> ties and everything. And she was just like, I really hoped I'd never have to Imagine wear Imagine her again. looking kind of like a sexy TV evangelist wife. It's like, come on, put just just put on the tassel loafers again. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. but now I and I think part of this was that the that that throughout our adult lives part of upper middle class America has been part of the idea of it has been trying to destroy it or destroy the the cultural significance of these things. Like we're trying it's in particular mm. upper middle class America that wants to that are that has the the idealism and the ideology that wants to eliminate that stratification, mm -hmm. right? And it's not the upper class never wants. It's to not enough to just it. part, just not participate. That it's something that is damaging to society. So we need to like subvert and flatten it. Exactly. So we're no longer talking about good verse, good books versus bad. We're no longer talking about good bands versus bad. We're no longer talking about guilty pleasures. We're not yucking other people's yums. We're, you know, we're, it's, it's, it's precisely the world that I live in and you live in that has spent the most time and energy and effort trying to deconstruct its own place in the culture. Mm -hmm. And I don't know now whether all that that we grew up thinking was the order of the world, whether exists in the same way now whether those kids at at the mall would have any sense of there being a hierarchy as opposed to just a like a palette like a like a oh. like a uh, like a flattened out list of like a like a matrix closet full of machine guns there's the ones on the top of the rack and the ones on the bottom of the rack aren't aren't better or worse that they're just different choices the 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 cereal that's on the bottom shelf is no longer an embarrassment it's just one of the 50 different choices that any kid can make on any topic at any time and it's not just to clarify although i think what you're saying it's not just obviously it's not just about things you choose or choose to buy or not to buy it's about it's about a flattening is a weird word for it, but the the idea that like this is just a big box of uh, props and we can all just grab the one that we want and there's no need for one person to knock everybody out of the way to pick what we all regard as the best prop. Yeah, exactly. They're all props, and yeah. the, and and what we're doing is we're because I, because not everybody can be playing with signs and symbols. There was a time when it was funny to play with signs and symbols. 
Yeah, it's called and, the 90s. And it was the 90s. Yeah. And, Situationism. But, it's, a, it's us like trying to do something ironic and against the grain that signifies our feeling about the man. But uh, Cultural but, hegemony. No, you have to know what all the signs and symbols signify and symbolize in order to play with them. And hope that everybody agrees on what those signs and symbols are. Right. Or at least you're trying, again, tribally, you're trying mm -hmm. to communicate to the person across the room that sees that you're wearing it wrong. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I know that's the hat, but I'm wearing it wrong. And the other person's like, I see you. I know you. All that's gone because it is because the signs and symbols have been and, the, and, and it was on purpose, mm -hmm. divorced from their meaning, but then the signs and symbols remain, and there's still a shadow or a, or a smell of their, of their earlier meaning, because there's a reason. There's a reason they exist. The whiff of semiotics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whiff is there, but the kid yeah. can't possibly know all the symbolism, right? right? The kid can't possibly know what... What it signified because the well, thing like me it coming out and going, hey, look at me, I'm Jim, look at me, I'm Jimmy Durante, and everybody like that's great. Who's Jimmy Durante? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I know Karl Marx. Right. I also think of, uh. I also think of like the shabby chic of old money versus new money, there you go. which shabby is a term chic. I never really, und I mean, I'd heard that term, but like, I'm not even new money. I was, I was old poor. Well, old poor, we called them. But the idea of like showing up in your sharp new suit that still has the tags on it versus like my, my roommate in college, his grandfather had started a very, was a well-known grocery store or drugstore chain in Florida called Eckerd Drugs. His grandfather was Jack Eckerd. Like he's the guy who started Eckerd Drugs. And J Jake like wore like Ralph Lauren things that were like 20 years old and frayed. Whereas if I went to show up for something and he would just wear the same shorts every day, because that's what rich people do. That's what real rich people do. And that's a kind of signification. I didn't realize that. Whereas I, as like the lower middle class kid, I, if I were to show up like that, I'd be, I, I, don't, I don't know how to carry myself like John Roderick. I would have been escorted right out of the room because it wasn't, I didn't know the uniform of the day. And, you know, if, if I dressed like, you know, Peter Brady going to a first communion, I, I, I really instantly identify myself as somebody outside the tribe. What's, it, what's interesting about Shabby Chic is that what Shabby Chic was, was the, the white painted furniture of the rich people that had... Adirondack chairs. <laughs> yeah, that had gotten all dinged up and was all bashed and, yeah. and the paint had gotten chipped off. And then that stuff had been sent to the thrift stores or to the to the dump, and had then had been found by the poor sons and daughters of of people who had enough aspiration to know what rich people looked like, and they <laughs> repurposed those that furniture. He go, go to the costly part of the goodwill, <laughs> but they made the dents and the and the and the scraped paint look like part of the that was oh, the like look anthropology now. where you can go and like get a $700 medicine cabinet that already looks old but that's what i mean once shabby chic has gone from being an actual recycling of rich people things to brand new things made to look like they were that they are old and recycled mm -hmm. to a generation that came up after all of the 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 semiotics of that original conversation of, uh, uh, of class is gone. All they see is that you go to an expensive store and you buy something that looks like the paint's been scraped off of it. Mm -hmm. What does that symbolize anymore? It's just <laughs> another finish, right? 
It's just like, well, you and, can get... And I'd be standing around going, huh, huh, huh? Like, <laughs> don't you notice Don't you notice how kit-bashed my, my medicine cabinet is? Isn't that cool? And people are like, yeah, I, I get anthropology catalogs too, dude. I, I know. Just because you bought, like, we went to the mall this weekend too. Like, and I, you know what I bought at Crate and Barrel? Pint glasses. <laughs> well, I, was, you, I was not there, like, buying a, uh, I don't know. I don't, even, I don't even know what to call fancy anymore. I have no idea. I know. I know. Well, I, you, if you go and buy a Gibson Les Paul right now for $5,000, mm-hmm. you can then take it to somebody, a specialty shop, where they hit it with... Hit it bejeweled? Where they hit it... No, they hit it with chains, and they oh. hit it with... And they scrape it with sandpaper, oh, and they and they put it in a freezer, and they freeze it, and then they pull it out and heat it up real fast so the finish cracks. And you can pay another $5,000 to get this brand new guitar to look like it's 50 years old. At the <laughs> Are point you being which, serious? Is that, is yeah, that oh, absolutely. It's called relicking, and it's a whole <gasps> universe. You're kidding me. No, I've re- never heard of Well, do you remember when you'd buy, if you, you could save money by going to the county seat or whatever and buying the way that, you know, you and I, well, at least in previous times when we were both just normal middle-aged men, we'd both buy Levi's, Levi's 501s, right? You're, you used yep. to be a 501 man. I'm still. I did. 501 is new and unwashed because back in the 80s, they were cheaper. And there was stuff you could buy at the store, I think called like Old Glory or Old Denim or Old Blue or something like that, that you would put in the water. My mom, this drove my mother fucking crazy. As somebody who was never any kind of money, old, new, or otherwise, the idea of buying a pair of brand new pants and trying to then buying something else to make them look old was ludicrous to her. Yeah. And there was this stuff you could buy, and when you washed it, it would really super fade your jeans and soften them up. Whoa. Because now you get to act like you'd spent $8 more on your pants. Whoa. Huh. Well, whoa, I mean. Does your kid do anything like that? Relicking, mm-hmm. the relicking they call it. No, because she, you know, she's she somebody. World. She doesn't know her, from relicking. Well, her her vibe is that she lives in a in an old house that her father bought with the idea he would fix it up. And my daily driver is 79 Suburban, or it was until last year, that I bought in New Hampshire from an asshole guy. That uh, And I bought it because I was going <laughs> to fix it up. And her mom lives in a mid-century house that she intends to fix up. Oh, I bet that and house is really clean, though. It's very clean. Yeah. But everything, um, everything in her world is, uh, doesn't work properly, um, <laughs> smells weird, uh, sometimes catches on fire, and all of her father's favorite clothes were made in the 1950s, and it feels to her like he's intentionally dressing in sandpaper. Like, <laughs> you know, she's like, I yeah. say the word, I say the word Filson and she just rolls her eyes like bowling balls clanking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she has recently started coming, coming out basically to me saying, I want a new house when I grow up. I want new oh, things yeah. that have never been worn by anybody else. That have never that don't catch on fire. Ooh, that, look at me! Yeah. I want to have a house with heat that works. Yeah. I want. Yeah, right. I the brakes. I drive cars that shift themselves. Yeah, My cars right. shift themselves, and so she, her whole thing is there's no class consciousness. She just sees this, what what is very obvious, which is for some reason my people put all this extra significance 
on old things that work poorly, smell funny, and aren't comfortable. Whereas you can go, seen you're just smelling a guitar case interior. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, no, no, no. I know this. I know this jacket is is full of moth holes, but I'm going to fix it up because this jacket was once worn by a football player that was fought in the Korean War. The guy who knew Shackleton. Yeah, <laughs> and she's like, you can go to Target. Let me. I'm going to blow your mind right now. You can go to Target. And buy something yeah. that's really soft and fuzzy. <laughs> you know they have cheap stuff at Uniqlo, Dad. <laughs> and it's really comfortable. Uh huh. It's, it's not, not like sandpaper now. <laughs> it's not that expensive either. And also, you can wash it in the washing machine without having to dry it on a special rack. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, but I'm buying all this stuff that symbolizes my taste and my stature and my understanding you're, you're, of to some extent your values. Oh, to almost a hundred percent, my values, right? You know, but I mean, like, am I am I being am, is that an exaggeration? Not at all. Yeah. No, because uh, because because when she says, "Why do you want to wear this? It's so scratchy." I'm like, "But American industry and the gold rush and another thing, you know, like these these uh, these sheep's were guarded by a by a a, a dog whose name was Sam, mm-hmm. and he punched in every morning. Put that on the card. Punched for your, out for every eBay night. slash museum project." And she's just like, I don't think that, I don't think you understand that technology has provided us with opportunities to not have to think about that stuff. Funny little porthole, like, like from the world in which she lives, the world that, to which she is acclimated. And then to come back home and, and you're sitting there sniffing, sniffing cases in sandpaper, it must feel like she does need to like bring the new ideas to you. Like, like you, were you even aware that you don't have to live like this? Well, what's interesting is that I'm still here in sh- in the shabby chic uh, arguments of the 1960s. Like somebody was going to throw this perfectly good Chippendale chair away, and look, I put on some I put some oil on it. And it's good as new. Mm-hmm. And she's on the other side of the whole anthropology universe where all of that got churned. And churned and mm. turned into a product and turned into a, an aesthetic. All the invisible then, value we saw in it is gone for her. It completely, it's fall, yeah. fallen out the other side. And she's like, yeah. why would I want something where the paint was already chipped? Mm-hmm. I just want something that's new and, and soft. And it, if it was made in China, who cares? I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I mean, and, you know, admittedly, she's 11. And what when I was 11, who knows what I was into? I was into... Was into GI you conjuring, You're conjuring orbs. I was. I was like conjuring orbs, and I was like, "When I grow up, I'm going to be a half elf wizard." <laughs> Get a shabby chic, high hard boots. Yeah.